Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us for today's episode of Certainty Talks. On this show, we talk about the system that we use to get clarity on our goals, certainty that we'll reach them, and wealthy on our turns by rigging the game in our favor. And we share it here because we want to help you reach your goals on your terms. You've been told to scale by this product, by that product, from every each way, often from good, well-intended people. So it's not your fault when you look around and you wonder, why is my business not where I want it to be? And as our mentor, business partner, Dan, Dan Nicholson says, the biggest risk is that we don't get what we want out of life. Got my good friend and business partner here in the Wheel Club, Mr. Paul Sparks himself. And not only a successful real estate investor, but also a certified, certified certainty advisor. And guys, if you get value out of this show, please hit the subscribe button. That way we can help more people become wealthy on their terms. Title for today's show is how to pick the best marketing channel. Right? It's a pretty bold claim. We're going to talk about it. But before we do that, let's talk about six-word updates. What you got, Paul? Yeah, very excited to dive into the marketing channel discussion. We had an awesome uh, call this week talking about that. But my six-word update today, all my big deals are random. And uh, we've I think I mentioned this a, a, maybe a month or so ago. We were working on I don't even know if I've talked to you about this yet, Steve. But there's a 10-unit deal here in Denver. Mm -hmm. That's like three blocks over from the 18 unit that I'm building another townhouse development. And I, I've just gotten so attached to the deal that it's, we're going to do, we're going to get it. You know, it's a layup. It's three blocks over. It's exactly what we're building, uh, you know, over there. It's the same, same partners and all this sort of stuff. But the more I've kept looking at it, it's, it's just a little too skinny and I've I've just tried to justify for the last month. No, no, no. We can make this work. We can make this work. And uh, I've just I think I've finally like let go, you know, of it. And it's like it's not a deal, not for me. Uh, you just got to let it go. And the hard part about these big deals is you don't know when the next one's gonna be there. It's really hard to not name the puppy and take it home with you. I even brought this one home for the weekend. Mm -hmm. I had to bring it back and just like nope. We're not taking this puppy, but yeah, I think there's one thing I've learned is as you start doing these bigger, either development deals or multifamily deals or self storage, we got a lot of people, you know, in whale club doing lots of big deals. Well, a lot of these are just random and it means you have to keep the loop open. You have to just wait and you don't know when it's going to show up. And that's hard for people like you and me. And, mm -hmm. uh, it's, I'm going through that right now where I had to give that puppy back and, uh, just got to trust that all my big deals are random and it's, you know, it's probably right around the corner. You just don't know it. Yeah. Open loops are really hard to just have right there is to leave it open. Yeah. It, it violates every, every one of our natural instincts. Yeah. I'd rather not, <laughs> I'd rather just <laughs> close it and, you know, like we know when it's coming, let's, we, you know, and so, yeah, being uncertain with what the outcome is going to look like mm -hmm. is easier said than done, especially when you have, you know, an opportunity that you kind of want it to go. You want to make it go, but it's just, it wasn't meant to go. So we got to wait. Yeah. And like, speaking of that, right. I think like talking about open loops is, um, had an opportunity came across last week and this opportunity came across and it's actually what brought additional anxiety. Because my calendar is so full, I can't receive this opportunity. Mm. And so now I'm sitting back and looking at everything I got going on and everything is on the table, right? Because I want to say yes to this other thing because it's got ridiculous upside with minimal downside. That's what we want to target. But if I want to apply resources over here, I'm going to have to recapture and reallocate from elsewhere, which means we might have to give a puppy back. Ooh, yeah. Ah. Uh, that's tough. All right. So yeah. my six word update before prescribing seek first to understand. Right. And this is that, uh, Dr. Covey, right. Seek first to understand before being understood. I get people asking me questions. Hey, Steve, should I do this? Should I do that? Should I buy a section eight properties? Should I whatever? And they're waiting for an answer as I will hold on, hold on before we answer this question. Right. Uh, my personal trainer, she was asking like, Hey, I'm doing these group classes and I'm not getting any more fulfillment from it. I said, like, okay. And so, and she's like, should I keep doing it or not? I was like, well, are you at least getting leads from this for personal training? It's like, no. So you're getting zero fulfillment. 
and there's not a forcing function, like, nope. I was like, I don't know. I think probably what you should do is you should probably read rigging the game. And that's been my <laughs> prescription to so many things. It's not like, here's what you should do. It's like, you need to read this book, and then we can talk some more. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because it's so preference-based, what you should or shouldn't do. And it's... I don't know why that is, why maybe it's just like a human thing. We want so badly to close other people's loops for them. Oh, yeah. You know? They just tell you what you should or shouldn't do before I actually understand what problem you're actually trying to solve. What do you value? What's going on at home? What's going on in your business? Where's the Where are the thorns? Yeah. Are they in your side? Is it like, can we easily pull this out? You know, and so people say, well, what should I do? Yeah. And most people are just so eager to just give their advice mm -hmm. well here's what i would do it's easy right and the thing we have to be careful of is projecting right mm -hmm. and you know we've all been guilty of it oh easy here's what i would do um so well and also let me add one more thing too it's it comes back to it's not it's it's like both people are i think in the wrong in that case because you're seeking consensus from yeah. someone else right uh so there's like two dangers to that. One is you don't actually know what you want and you're asking other people to tell you what you should or shouldn't do. Right. You're seeking and, a sign off from someone else. Like, this is what I think I should do. Can you make, can you make sure I made the right decision? Yeah. It's like deflecting in a little bit, yeah. uh, deflecting the responsibility of the decision. So before you actually know you're just what you want, what matters, you have clarity. You're asking someone else to tell you what you should do. That's the first risk. The second risk is um, you already know what to do or what you're going to do, and you start asking people because you're looking to be validated. Mm -hmm. You're hoping that they tell you the thing that you were hoping that they say. So right. there's risk in that as well, and, and almost no upside. The, the, the downside is that they don't agree with you. The right. upside is, is that they tell you exactly what you want to hear and you're validated. That's not very much of an upside there. You know, so it just it all comes back to clarity. You got to know what you want. And that leads in exactly right, Steve, into what we're going to talk about today with marketing. Yeah, right. Which is how to how to pick the best marketing channel. Well, I mean, that sounds kind of crazy. We just said, like, there's no, it's all preference based. How can you possibly pick the best marketing channel? So, all right. So what's the problem then? There's a bunch of marketing options out there, right? Um, there's all sorts of different uh, industries out there. But let's just pretend you're focused on real estate. What do we got? Direct mail. TV and radio, uh, and maybe we add billboards there, right? It's just broadcasting, marketing. Got cold call, texting, door knocking, which is prospecting, which is marketing plus sales. Got digital, PPC, whether it's Google, Facebook, YouTube, and then SEO, right? We're, we're kind of lumping those two together, even though they're a little bit different. Paper lead, there's a whole bunch of different paper lead providers out there. Uh, we personally, we sponsor Motivated Leads. Um, and then we got social media and target ads and Paul and I are super big on social, social media and you guys will soon be seeing me doing some targeted ads. So there's all these different marketing channels. So, I mean, just once and for all, Paul, what's the, what's the right one? Which one should I do? Yeah. Well, so we'll talk about the, the key, the key framework that we like right off the bat is valid versus useful. You know, so yeah. what's the best marketing channel? I believe the best marketing channel is the one that allows you to play your game and play to your strengths, your unique abilities, and your style of play. Mm -hmm. That is the best marketing channel, right? right? And that's going to be different for everybody else. And that's not what people want to hear. <laughs> right. You know, they want to hear just, I get it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fluffy woo-woo stuff, Paul. Tell me what's having the best success rate. Mm -hmm. And what we'll talk about today is a couple frameworks. One is the difference between valid versus useful. All of those uh, channels that you just mentioned there, they're all perfectly valid. I'm sure you can point to a lot of people can, across the country. For every single one of these different channels, I can list multiple people that are having success with each one of those channels. Before we even get to valid versus useful, right? Um, here's a question I always like to, I see, uh, Nick talking about Nick Peterson. Um, what is the average height of a male? Like five foot nine or something. Five like nine. That. Right. So everyone in the country should be buying shirts. that are five, nine. 
Everyone should just wear a size medium shirt. When you go to the store, you should just buy a size medium shirt. Regardless of your size, you should just buy a medium shirt. That is, yeah. hey, what's the best marketing channel? Well, if we're going to prescribe universally without taking anything else in consideration, everyone should just buy a size medium shirts. We shouldn't even make large or small or extra large shirts. Yeah. Everyone should just buy a medium shirt. How's that going to work? Well, it, it, the thing is, is yeah, if you're conforming to the average, but the thing is, is that most people aren't that average. Most people actually aren't five foot nine. There's probably just as many people who are five foot eight as there are five foot ten. Yeah. And there's as many people that are, you know, six foot as there are five foot six or five foot seven or whatever. And the point is, yeah, I love such a great story there. If you're buying, you say, well, the average male is five foot nine. So I'm going to buy. Uh, you know, size 32 waist and a medium shirt. Yeah. And it's it's like, yeah, but most people aren't that. Most people aren't dead average. Yeah. So yeah. if you're asking what is what is the average of what's working best in the country, that has almost nothing to do with what size shirt or shirt uh, shorts you should be buying, mm -hmm. right? A lot of this has to do with you got to buy the right fit for your body tight. And the, the, you know, your style, are you, are these casual clothes? Is this active wear? Like, is this a swimsuit? What are we buying here? Right. Um, and I, I like that. That's a really good analogy for this. So we'll talk through today. I think we'll go through every single one of these sections. Mm -hmm. And instead of talking about what's right or wrong, we'll talk about the currencies that you might gain or trade by doing that. Again, currencies for those who aren't familiar with it. Uh, we have an acronym we use to describe the, the things that you can trade beyond just money, right? Most of us are very familiar with being with money as a currency, and that makes perfect sense because we buy it, we trade it, we use it all the time. Right. But there's other currencies we want to we consider. And so if you haven't heard this, it's an acronym we call A-TIMER. So A-T-I-M-E-R. And it's a good way to remember the different currencies. So Steve, what is A? A is attention. That's my favorite one. So tell us, what, is, what does that mean to, to pay attention or be paid attention? Yeah. So, and this is something that uh, Gary Vee has been harping forever, right? Attention is the number one currency. Uh, so attention is whatever you're focusing on, or it's if other people are focused on you, right? So, you know, you hear about how are you monetizing your following? Well, that is how are you turning attention into money, right? That's one currency, to another. So pay attention means to be intently focused. And, um, you know, Gary Vee has said it, but a lot of other people have said your ability to focus, your ability to pay attention, that can be the largest predictor of your, um, of your performance, of your financial income, you know, whatever. Attention is people paying attention to you or you focus on any one thing at Mm -hmm. Yeah, eyeballs, maybe is how Gary Vee might say it too. Yeah. It's eyeballs. How many eyeballs do you have on what you're doing? Um, so that's the first one. What's uh, we, we understand time, right? You spend your time on yeah. things. Um, you can leverage time, right? You can do small things uh, by, I, I guess, like, um, like virtual assistants. Some of these currencies take more time or less time or mm -hmm. gives you more time back. So yeah. we understand that one. I, what's, what's I? I is influence or impact, right? How much, uh, if you're giving up influence or you're getting influence. And I, and I think this is going to be big, right? When we talk about this later on, on, on the different currencies you're gaining or giving up. Influence is huge. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. Some of these are things that you can just pay for. Money, right? Mm -hmm. M is money. And yeah. a lot of these are real easy. You got a lot of money, you can check. There's also some on here where you don't maybe have a lot of money. And there's some strategies on here that could be a good fit for that as well. And so we got M. Uh, next one is E. What's E? Energy. Simple. Right? Does this, does this give you energy? Does this take energy? Right? And there's like a little bit of attention in there, but really more is like when you do this, does this give you energy? Or like for a lot of people, prospecting is deflating. Right? So how much energy does this take? Yeah, we have a framework that we talked about in CCA. I'm sure we've talked about it in Whale Club, but 
it's uh the tank versus the trunk mm-hmm. you know is this you, know, you think of a car right are you using this is this fuel for your tank mm-hmm. or is this baggage in your trunk right is this energy draining like you're carrying around this baggage or is this you know going in your tank and you're using it to you know fuel you with more energy mm-hmm. so we got that one and r the last one is relationships right this idea of relationship currency, relationship capital, which we did a whole show on mm-hmm. uh, uh, recently. I guess it was last week, maybe. Yeah, I think it was last week. And Yeah, and we talked about the value of relationships and how that contributes to marketing and getting deals, essentially, in real estate. So, fantastic. So, we've got this currency acronym, timer, just again, to quick recap. A, attention, T, time, I, impact or influence, M is money, E, energy, and R for relationships. And so the first one that we have on the the docket here, right, is direct mail. And this is, I I do think that there's been ebbs and flows, right? Sometimes direct mail is is really working very well. Some people have a love-hate relationship with love, you know, direct mail like I do. Um, (laughs) Let's talk about, let's talk about direct mail and, and what the currencies that contribute to that. Yeah, so direct mail, depending on how you're doing this as well, and there's also there's even more like considerations, right? Like when you were doing it, you were spending a lot of time and energy doing like, printing it, making sure it looked right. Maybe I don't know if you took it to the post office, right? That took time, that took money, that took energy. If you're doing that, for me, we use the investor machine, and with the investor machine, they take the data. They do the, uh, what is it called? The the mapping where you put the first name and last name on the, right? Whatever. I, I can't remember, think of the term right now, right? Um, they printed it. They mailed it. So for me, it didn't take any time. Uh, it didn't take a lot of influence, but it took money. Because not only do I have to pay for the service to invest machine, I also have to pay uh, for the data. And I had to pay a VA, right? Because I'm exchanging money for time. I got a VA insuring, reviewing everything. So it took money. It didn't take any energy from me. Um, it didn't uh, cost me. Well, I guess it cost me a little bit of reputation. We got some hate mail, right? Like I'm tired of you Nazis and this and that. I was like, Nazi? So anyway, <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, so it costs really me for direct mail. It only cost me money. But what did I gain from it? Um, influence. And I say influence because you have authority, right? So there's inbound versus outbound. So I think maybe that's something we'll add to these uh, uh, marketing channels as well. But for the homeowner that receives your direct mail piece, you have a little bit of authority. Not as much as TV, but you got a little bit of authority when they call you, right? So which also uh, so is, is influence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Um, I'll add a couple things. So I started... Actually, the first couple of the direct mail, you know, campaigns I ran, this is probably back in 2020, were, like you said, I was doing all of it. So it was a lot of time, a lot of energy and money, you know, that I didn't really have uh, at the time. Put it on a credit to, card. To, yeah, that's what we did. We put it on a credit card. <laughs> and uh, so I tried to do it myself for a while. I just, it was too many moving parts. So then I went to a company called Ballpoint Marketing, uh, Justin Dossie, and we did that. And they do the handwritten notes with the, you know, the ballpoint pens. And these were fantastic. We did we did a number of deals with them, but it was still a lot of like we're gonna mail you. Th- this was at the time. I don't know what they're what they're offering anymore, but at the time it was like we're gonna mail you all of the mail, and then you gotta take it and drop it. And you've got to manage all of the return mail and all sorts of stuff like that. And I still have stacks of this, you know, return mail over there. And so because (laughs) the other thing too, so we did that then. And I was like, this is just too, this is too many, still too many moving parts. And so Mm -hmm. we went to investor machine as well. And I, I did them for probably a year, year and a half. And again, we got deals. It's here's where direct mail got me is it's not, it's an inbound marketing source and my live answer rate was terrible. You know, mm-hmm. we, we didn't have a big enough business to justify having somebody just sitting there on the phone. I also found that you want that person. How do I say this? There's going to be different opinions here. I want that person to be local. 
They need to have the person that's answering the phone needs to sound like they're from here. Oh, yeah. They need to uh, know the market really well because oftentimes we were just losing a lot of credibility and authority mm-hmm. the second they picked up the phone. Yes. And so not only did we have a terrible call rate, we had uh, or a live answer rate. We didn't have the right people answering the phones. We didn't have the follow-up campaigns necessary to nurture these leads. And so I do think there's a lot of energy and effort outside of just writing the money check Mm -hmm. that goes into direct mail that a lot of people just aren't considering all of the other things that have to be there in order for that to be a very valid. You make a point because like what we would do with the return mail pieces was we would scan them, put them in a CRM. Like, oh, this person doesn't live here anymore. And we would take that data, skip trace them, and find out where they moved to. Mm-hmm. And then we would call those people because we know if we're getting return mail, then they're up, their address updated sometime in the last, you know, eight weeks. But there's other people that can't reach these people as well. And yeah. so that was a, a, an additional lead source. So, yeah, there was a lot of energy in trying to make sure that things didn't fall through the cracks. Well, you got to squeeze that lead channel, you know, like you got to squeeze it. Like you said, you got to recycle the leads. It's not, you don't just send a direct mail campaign and then get deals either. It's going to take some time. Right. It's going to take six months really before you just start seeing those results. So, you know, if you don't have a lot of money, I mean, direct mail is not a great, in my opinion, place to do it. Now, with that being said, there are a lot of people who have a very sniper approach mm-hmm. to direct mail. They, they're pulling a you know, driving for dollars list, or they've got a higher targeted, maybe a pre foreclosure list or stacking a ton of stuff. Again, Mm -hmm. I can tell you if that public data is available, you're going to have a lot of competition with direct mail. I've, I've been in living rooms where I've seen (laughs) stacks of sellers just bragging. They're like, look at all these stacks. And I called you and I'm like, good lord how many people did not call me because <laughs> i was the 15th one at the bottom you know down the stacks so yeah i remember specifically a lot of at a kitchen table where their gun safe was in their dining room and it had <laughs> all these direct mail pieces hung up there it's like oh i'm really grateful that they called me um yeah and uh you know it's actually you know we're talking about direct mail so i was actually on the phone with jason lewis yesterday and he is just murdering it right now because Direct mail is expensive. A lot of people cut back in direct mail, but he didn't. So he is having like one of the best quarters ever because he's the only one doing direct mail in Salt Lake City. Yeah, because it is expensive and it does take a while and some people aren't willing to put up with it. And yeah, um, so it's less competitive than, let's say, later on Google pay-per-click. So yeah, uh, the next one, right? So that's direct mail. So did we cover the costs and benefits? I think we did for the currencies. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we could have a whole show on each one of these things, but yeah. we'll hit them all high level, just, you know, our opinions and our thoughts on them. So, yeah, let's move yeah. on. All right. So, direct mail, I'm not direct mail, TV and radio, right? And billboards. So, what does it cost us? It doesn't cost us attention, it doesn't cost us time, except for the one time to record the video ad, it doesn't cost us influence, it costs a lot of money, a lot of money. Uh, it doesn't cost a lot of energy. And doesn't really cost you your your, your relationship capital, so cost. Yeah, it's really high. It's a really high leverage activity, mm-hmm. but it is another one of those. Um, <clears throat> I think of it as more of branding mm-hmm. and less of direct marketing. You know, um, there's a there's a different psychology of for whatever reason, like mailing somebody something, and then showing up on tv in their living room Mm -hmm. both got you into their door you got in the front door right Mm -hmm. they're looking at your direct mail piece or they're watching you on tv i think that a lot of people are triggered by things showing up in their mailbox and they're so conditioned to things showing up to them as ads on tv right and so you're right it's it could be the exact same message but the fact that it's through and you're in you're in the home, you're in their house, mm-hmm. you know, and but the fact that it's on TV, you get you gain massive authority. Mm-hmm. You're not junk mail. It's 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 less like they don't feel like 
Um, <laughs> yeah, they don't feel. How do I say this? It's a less. It's less. In, it's less direct. You know, yeah. it's indirect. It's more passive. No one's gonna get pissed that they're being advertised yeah. to. On I mean, the radio. we look at it. It's a. It's disruptive marketing, right? Like, you're watching TV and you saw an ad, right? It's disruptive. It wasn't towards you. It's just disruptive, right? It, it interrupted something you're in the middle of, which is fine, right? Because you didn't do it. The TV channel, the TV station did. So what does it buy you? Buys you attention. Buys you a lot of attention. Doesn't buy you time, but it compresses the sales, the cash conversion cycle. So it doesn't buy you time, but the deals close a lot faster. So Well, I will say this. There are a lot of people who run TV ads that they make one video that they've used for years. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So in terms of buying you time, what you're doing is you're not actually you're not having to go through and recreate the the direct mail piece ad like what's working, what's not working, what's trending. It's, yeah. Yeah, what's trending? It's honestly I don't know a lot of people who are constantly updating their TV ads and radio ads because mm -hmm. they want it to be consistent. Right, it's the same message. So uh influence buys you a lot of influence, buys you a lot of authority. Huge authority. Right. Money is whatever. Energy doesn't take as much energy because, like we said, you already have all that influence. And then reputation. Oh, man. Like reputation, influence. Like it, it's pretty close, right? Like they're both pretty similar. Relationship. Uh, there's, um, there's a big guy in town, Russell Shaw. Uh, he's someone that really was made a big impact in my business, my trajectory. Because I bought him lunch. I picked his brain, right? A long, long time ago. And, you know... As a realtor, I asked him this question, like, well, what are you doing for repeat business? Like, I'm on TV. It's like, I know, but, like, are you sending direct mail to your sphere? Are you hosting client events? This and that's like, I'm on TV. It's like, but how are you staying in touch in, with your database? I'm on TV. Like, okay. All right. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. his, his past clients remember him. He's all over their face on TV and radio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, tons, tons of attention and influence. Um, <clears throat> and that's one of those things that if you've been, I would say this is geared more towards more experienced people because of the barrier of entry is so high mm -hmm. in terms of uh, the money it takes to run it. Give me an idea, Steve. I've never run TV or radio ads. Like, have you ever done any of that? Do you, are you yeah. aware of like what on, pe on average people are spending on stuff like this? When we, went, when we were in Albuquerque, we were spending 15000 a month. When we were in Oklahoma City, we were spending 15000 a month. Um, to be a serious contender in Phoenix, you're looking at forty to 50000 a month. My understanding is the top dogs are spending ninety to hundred k a month in the Phoenix wow. market. So, um, yeah, it's not, a, it's not like, hey, I'm just going to, you know, dabble. This is a commitment. This is, and you can't do TV for like a month. Like this is, it takes time for that branding to build. If you're not ready to do it, direct mail or TV for six months, I wouldn't start. Yeah. Well, and it's just as much true about direct mail as you better answer that phone. Yeah. All those systems have got to be dialed in. Um, <clears throat> I also do think it's, it's very important if you're running a local TV or radio ad, you'd probably are going to want to just as importantly have a local person on the other side of that phone yeah. that knows the market, that understands real estate, <clears throat> that can speak to the nuances of the conversation that are going to come up. So yeah, if you're again, spending if money on marketing, you better spend money on your people. Do not spend yeah. money on marketing and get stingy on your people. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> make sure you have that director of first impressions. I, I forget. I mean, that's a Jason Lewis term, but mm -hmm. um, I use a color. Yeah. Guy, you, so you got to have that on the front end. And, and I think that's, that's critical with, with TV and radio, but yeah. number three on here, I mean, do we start, do we cover everything? On I that? think we covered everything. Here? I mean, so like right now, TV is a pretty heavy favorite, but we got to go back to what currency is important to you. We haven't talked about the currencies. Important to you. you want to talk about that real quick? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, we talk about the six currencies, right? A timer. But what we haven't talked about is like what currency is most important to you right now? Because that's how we figure out what's the best marketing channel for you. If we don't know what currency is important to you, we need to step back and evaluate, right? We talk about solve a problem. We've talked about solve a problem multiple times. So in order to figure out what is the best marketing channel for you, we got to figure out what do you have an abundance of and what are you looking to get? Because what you have an abundance of, you can trade for what you want to get. 
So you right. have a lot of attention. You can trade that for something else. Um, you know, if you have a lot of time, but not a lot of money, those first two things we said makes no sense to you. Yeah. You got a lot of money and a lot of energy. Well, then maybe one of the first two is something you consider. So you want to add more to that as far as understanding what currencies is important to you? No, I think you nailed that. It's <clears throat> these currencies are meant to be traded for other currencies. So yeah, you, you just, like you said, you have to sort of do an audit relative to what you want in your life. <clears throat> so that's kind of where you're going. That's the solvable problem. And then what do you have right now that can trade for the currencies that you actually want more of? So if right now you have time and energy, like you're saying, and you want to build a business where you can get your time and your energy um, to be sort of automated, but right now you're willing to trade all those things. Yeah. I, I mean, TV and radio is probably not your best bet. Because you're going to take on a lot of risk doing that. Again, we have this orientation that we like to say mm -hmm. towards least amount of risk, least amount of effort, most amount of options. And so, yeah, with direct mail, it's it, these are men. Again, these are all preferences. So think through what your currencies are. And that's a great, I think, time to, to jump into number three, which is where a lot of people start. Cold call, text, door knocking. You know, who is this? Um, who is this right for, Steve? What 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 are the types of currencies of? Um, okay, so what are you giving up for a cold call, text, and door knocking? Well, you're giving up attention, right? Because you have to be involved in there, or at least maybe if your team's doing it. But generally speaking, like there's a lot of attention involved because you got to manage the effort of all your VAs. You got to make sure that they're hitting their KPIs, right? If one cold caller or each of our cold callers were expected to make 800 outbound dials a day. Right, 800 outbound dials a day. Uh, texters were sending 3,000 plus text messages a day. Right, um, so we got to see. We got the KPIs have to be even more dialed in. We got to make sure that you know for the 800 dials, how many conversations, how many appointments, or how many guys sent it to the lead manager, and with the lead manager, how many appointments did you sell? Right, okay. How many appointments that you sold actually got held? And then we got to look at the acquisition managers. How many appointments did you sit? Are the appointments you sat, how many contracts did you get, right? And there's like all these KPIs and spreadsheets. And I mean, we use Salesforce, so that helps quite a bit. But you get all these different things you got to put together to make this operation work. So I think you're, you're spending a lot of attention. Time, right? Whether it's your time putting in the work, right? If we're assuming you're a smaller or newer operator, you're putting a lot of time into prospecting. Um. I don't think you're necessarily giving up influence. Money, even though it costs money, it's significantly less money than the other marketing channel. Takes a lot of energy because you've got to be on the phones, or knock on doors, and face rejection all day, every day. Mm -hmm. Is it costing you relationships? I don't think so. So really, I would say it's costing you your attention, time, uh, and energy. Well, yeah, I mean, I'll elaborate my, my opinions on, on this. Cause I, I think I agree with most of what you said, but I, there's a couple where I'll just add, you know, my thoughts to it. The attention there's, a, there, there's kind of two ways to look at cold calling. One is you can outsource it. Mm -hmm. You can have somebody else do it. And so that's attention maybe to the vendor that you're hiring sure. or it's attention to, the, the, I mean, most of us use VAs to do this because it's right. just, it's a brutal, brutal job brute um, to sit force there and, operation. Brute force. That's what it is. It's a lot of time and energy. And, you know, so we try to outsource that to cheaper labor, frankly. Right. That's why a lot of people use uh, virtual assistants. For sure. It. But where I, where I would say this differs is with direct mail and TV and radio. If the phone's not ringing, we know someone's screwing up. We just know it, right? Yeah. With brute force prospecting, we've got to pay more attention to the prospecting because now we're managing humans, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you have to, with other one, you don't have to, like you just pay the, you, you pay the, the station or you pay a provider that pays the station, right? Like it's happening, but 
you're managing well, not only, people. Not only the people, but you're also managing the data. You're managing all the systems that have to be integrated, like the recycling Mojo, the phone numbers, dollars. making sure phone numbers are still good. Am I going to get sued? You know, like, yeah. There's all sorts of there's things. A little bit more headspace. Gonna... There's there's a little bit more headspace involved with prospecting. Yeah. And I would say it takes a lot more attention because I think you're going to get a lot more leads and less quality leads, right? So now, yeah, you might have more things to kind of work on and pay attention to now, but it doesn't necessarily result in more deals. Right. Um, so I, I do think that there is a right place to start in cold calling. I mean, but you've, you've done it. I've done it. I've done all these things, cold call, text, door knock. And, they, and it does work. I do think it's best used in combination with other marketing channels because sometimes you got to hit them from different angles right. to kind of get you know this but just be aware that cold calling is going to take a lot of time energy from someone i do think that your influence in the marketplace like that to me is like the most violating thing for me when someone calls my phone or texts my phone and I don't want, I don't know who they are. Yeah. I, I, I'm like, I can't stand that, you know? And I've had people go leave my company really bad reviews. My reputation, you know, are the last R we, we say is re, uh, relationships or reputation. My reputation and my impact, my business suffered as a result of doing cold calling and texting. Cause it's just annoying to yeah. a lot of people. You know, oh, it does work though. I'm not saying it doesn't work. It's just there. You're going to trade those other currencies. It's it, you're not gaining influence or reputation by doing cold calling. You're only subjecting yourself to people saying, screw you. Don't call me yeah. piss off, whatever, you know, exactly. But let's talk about the benefits. So you're not getting any attention. You're not getting any time. And like you said, you actually, you have to go through more leads. You have to sift through more crap, find the good leads. Uh, influence. It doesn't buy you influence, but I want to look at it in a different context. It doesn't buy influence, but the other two channels do, right? So you got to figure out what you're willing to trade, what you're willing to give up. So just understand you're coming in. It takes at least twice as long to build trust in an appointment on cold calling and texting and door knocking versus they called you. So, yeah. Um, so you're, you're well, not and it can be, get you cheap leads. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. it, so if that's the benefit of the biggest benefit in my mind to cold calling, texting, door knocking is, well, there's a couple benefits. One is it does give your sales guys stuff to actually on. Mm -hmm. like, Hey, go, go work this. They, they can be a, like a, <laughs> Like a morality, a moral, or how to say, not morality, like a morale, morale. problem. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A morale problem, right? Where if your sales people don't have things to chew on and mm -hmm. work on, if your lead flow is down, a great way to get a lot of leads into the system, in my mind, is to cold call. And I text. mean, it's actually something that, you know, we went through in a little bit of turnover in the <laughs> past 12 months was we had guys like, if we're not getting as many leads, like, yeah, I know. Like, this is a problem. Like, it's not a problem because. We're going from cold call leads to PPC leads. Yeah. PPC leads are way better than cold call leads, but the lead counts down. It's like you're focused on the wrong number, but that goes back to morale and this and that. So, uh, money, like they're all, we're all, we're trading all of these for money. Um, energy, does this bring back energy? I don't think so. Well, <laughs> I do think this is one of the more, you can defer the energy to someone else, but it takes a lot of energy to sit there and cold call. I know, it's but a, as far as like manual. benefit, do you get any energy benefit? Does it put fuel in the tank? Well, there's a reason why I don't, I don't <laughs> wholesale and do that direct to sale business yeah. anymore because I just got so tired of the, <clears throat> uh, the drain on my energy. And that's mm -hmm. a preference thing. Again, um, we all are somewhere. So I started there because it was, it was a low barrier low of entry and, the problem, the, I wouldn't say the problem, but the thing is, is like literally anyone with a phone and, you know, a brain can pick mm -hmm. up the phone and start calling, you know, distressed property owners right. or texting them. And, and because of that, it's, it's highly competitive. You got to do large volume. You've got to have, um, a lot of energy to expend. Yeah. So 
summarizing for cold calling, texting, and door knocking, you're giving up t uh, attention, time, and energy for money. Yeah, for but the other for two also lead. bring in money, but that's what you're, you're giving up attention, time, and energy for money. Yeah, I, I don't want it to come across like that's not a great option. It is. It's a great option. Most of us. It's a have great starting some component point. Of this. It's a great starting point, right? Like we train on it, we coach on it, we talk about it, we use it. We're still texting, right? Like I'm not belittling in any way. It's just the only benefit to the prospecting is money. Yeah. Yep. Well, and let's let's lead that into the number four here. Is just digital. Mm -hmm. um, and you mentioned just a second ago about the quality, the difference between sitting in someone's living room on a cold call lead versus a, you know, a, a, an SEO lead or a PPC lead. Like they found you on the internet by what's everyone, how does everyone find anything on the, the internet? The first thing you do is go where? Google. Google, right? Yeah. And if you, go, if you Google something, a problem that you have, and Google, which is like the all-knowing you know, entity above yeah. us that we take, uh, you know, as truth, regardless of whatever it is, we know that we know, we've anointed them to be the truth. Uh, uh, they are. Teller. Yeah, <laughs> they, they are exactly. And so if, if someone Googles you or not even you, they say how to sell my house fast in mm -hmm. Phoenix and stunning homes props up. Yeah. It's like the authority uh, is in my mind is just as high as a TV Mm -hmm. Or I don't know about just as high, but it's up there in the it's same category. There. So before we go into the benefit, let's go with the cost. All right. So what 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 does this cost? Well, it doesn't cost attention, right? Does it cost time? Not really. Does it cost us influence? I don't think so. So like it just costs us money, energy. Probably costs us energy if we're doing SEO. But for the most part, most people should be outsourcing their PPC uh, uh, management. So really, the only energy really is SEO if you're doing it. But I guess this is all just assuming that you're hiring this out. You know, we we had a, a guy on our call this last week, uh, Grant, who was talking about how, you know, he got injured like a few years ago and was sitting up, laid up in a chair, you know, and he's like, I just I needed something to do. So I figured out how to do SEO. Mm -hmm. And he's like, now I'm really, really good at it. And uh, so they run a lot of their own stuff. And so obviously all these things, there's a varying scale of, how much energy, time, whatever you put into it. But we're just going to assume that you're outsourcing this to someone else. I mean, and generally, yeah. with how competitive it is today, I wouldn't recommend learning this on your own unless you're technically gifted. Yeah, or in a, or in a small market, right? Yeah. If you're trying to play in a major market or even a you know, mid-sized market, I think there's just people who will just crush you if you try to do that. Right. So, again, this is kind of like direct mail and TV. Like, you're just giving up money. Right, that's what you're giving up. That's the currency you're giving up. But what do you get? You get attention. I mean, you're on Google. Yeah. That's attention. Uh, time, I wouldn't say really buys you a lot of time. Well, it does take a lot of time to get SEO leads, right? It takes time, it takes time for, for sure. that to happen. So there's a cost. So if we're, if we're talking about SEO, there's a lot of time involved in getting SEO. You can't just tomorrow, I'm going to have SEO up and running. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, does it buy you influence? I think so. Again, it's the authority. They had a problem. They went to a website. They looked at the website. They filled the form. There is a certain amount of trust. Not a lot, but there is a certain amount of trust where they filled out the web form. Mm -hmm. There's some influence. Uh, money. They're all for money. So energy. Does it bring us energy to do... Uh I when I think of energy in this case, I think of like what's the quality of the lead almost? Like what is the amount of energy we have to expend mm -hmm. to get this deal to become a deal, get this lead to become a deal? Like what's the energy that it takes to do yeah. that? That's another way to look at this. And in my mind, energy. this is it's a lot less energy. It's just because you have kind of done a lot of the hard the heavy lifting on the front end mm -hmm. by paying, by paying your way to the top of Google. Yeah. You know, you can buy the, you're buying attention. That's what you're buying. Mm -hmm. You know, you're buying eyeballs. Yeah. Uh, and that leads to 
an inherent level of authority, you know, that's the impact or the, the influence that you're now, you know, able to kind of wield. And mm-hmm. it does mean that the energy needed to move that to a, you know, revenue generating deal is yeah. going to be much less in my mind than someone else because they're going on there. They are like saying, I have a problem that I'm mm-hmm. like now ready to solve. Right. Whereas like direct mail or TV or something, you're hoping you catch them mm-hmm. at the right time. They pick up your card when they're like, ah, you know, I got this problem, but there's like an intent to this. They went to their phone or their computer and they pecked in yeah. something specific that they want help with. I mean, just going back on my experience, it was totally anecdotal, right? Phone calling, texting, we're catching way early in the cycle. Way early. Like, what do you mean my house is in foreclosure? How do you know my house is in foreclosure? Like, we're catching way early in the cycle. Yeah. Direct, or, and then I would say then after that, TV, they're about ripe, but not necessarily ripe. They're like right close to it. Direct mail, I think they're resigned to the fact that something's about to happen. Like, okay, I need to do something. Google, this is the exact time they're ready to do something because they've put it into the universe. I have a problem. Like, they have admitted they have a problem. Right? When they went to Google and and put sell my house fast, they have subconsciously admitted I have a problem that I need to be solved. So I think as far as energy you're talking about, I think that is the lowest energy because they have identified they have a problem. Now, on the downside of that, there are other websites that are going to on as well. Yeah. Yeah, you're just now you're also right on a page with all, every, all the other competitors. And so yeah. at minimum, you're going to be competing with probably two or three other people exactly. because they're probably looking for options, you know, um, maybe, maybe not. But yeah, that's a great it's a great marketing channel. Personally, I've never done a lot with it because uh it does take too long. I needed quicker deals. Like mm-hmm. I didn't have the time to wait for that. So I think that's for someone again, who has, who's trying to play a little bit more of a long game. They're trying to solidify their place in a market, uh, long term, and it's going to just take longer. It's going to take a lot of time and energy, but again, I shouldn't say time and energy. It's going to take time to get, the types of results that you're wanting, Mm -hmm. but that is one of the most, it's a, I wouldn't call them a layup, but like when someone is doing that and you get that lead, it's as, it's as close to a layup as it gets in our business. Yeah. Would we lump PPL into there or would we say PPL is different enough to be its own? I think that we, yeah, I think we break that into a separate uh, number five here and just kind of talk about the difference between SEO, which is, really putting out a lot of content in my mind mm-hmm. that's going to make you show up when someone Googles something kind of naturally. Yeah. Um, pay-per-click is you're, you're targeting keywords. So when someone mm-hmm. says, sell my house fast, Denver, well, you can pay to be at the top of right. the Google but I mean, PPL. List. PPL is the next one we had here. But is, is, I think I put PPL and PPC kind of like. Because it's because it's a little different, right? That is more. I think pay per click is more of like a branding, like your company's branding. Mm-hmm. I see. Whereas pay per lead is more. I don't. Yeah, you're. It's. I mean, you tell me. How do you think of that as as the two? I mean, I think PPL is the same, right? The the I guess the input's the same. It's just money, right? But I guess the output is you don't get attention with PPL because it's not branded. Right. You that's that's kind of what I was getting at is yeah. you're not getting the same level of authority mm-hmm. or reputation gain as you are by seeing True. stunning homes or Bunny Hill properties or whatever. It's like, yeah, that is different in my mind slightly. Yeah. So it doesn't cost as much because it, you don't have to risk as much PPL versus PPC. Like PPC is a commitment, right? Yeah. You better be ready to spend 7,500, 10,000 a month minimum. PPL is like, yeah, I'll turn it on, turn it off. It's like a lead wholesaler kind of, right? You're right. you're going through a lead wholesaler just saying, I mean, you could have leads day one with paper lead. It's like, hey, need to sell my house fast.com or whatever. Mm-hmm. You can just pay for leads. And then the next day you got leads showing up. Of course, right. it's not it's not doing a whole lot to build the authority. It's not branded. Or branding, but you can get leads and just pay for them. So it's similar but different enough, I think, to warrant its own category there. Sure. That makes sense. So yeah. Uh, you're not getting the attention. You're not getting any time. You're not getting influence. 
energy is better than cold calling, but it's not quite the same as PPC. We do have to sift a little bit more to find people that are actually uh, motivated. But the good thing is with PPLs, you can refund the leads, right? So yep, it, it costs. It's less risky than PPC. PPC, you have more. They they fill out the form. It's listed with a realtor, and I want full market value. There's nothing you can do. That's that's four hundred dollars burned. Yeah, it's gone forever. It's 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 a how do I say? It's like a. It's got lower downside. Yeah, less than, downside. Yeah, because you could just stop. Like mm -hmm. you could do it for a month and then just turn it off. Right. You know, whereas PPC, you're committed for probably a, a year. I yeah. would say to to really get traction there so the downside is, is you do it for a year and you don't get anything the downside with need to sell my house fast is like if you need to turn it off you can just turn it off for a month or two and right. go on to the next or motivated leads or whoever it is yeah all right and then the last one is is, is social media and targeted ads mm -hmm. so what does it cost uh well for social media it costs attention because you have to create content you can't yeah. just turn the camera on and just make content it requires your attention if you want to have any kind of traction takes time, right? Uh, I mean, for me, I'm doing social media a lot. takes a lot of time. It's one of my top three activities in every week. Uh, does it cost me uh, influence? I won't say it costs me influence. Um, money, they all cost money. Costs a lot of energy. Just in this regard, attention and energy, right? It, it takes both of them. Does it cost relationship or reputation? No, unless unless you're doing something stupid. Unless you get canceled, it does not cost your reputation. Yeah. Um, I think it's probably one of the cheapest yeah. of the lead sources. You know, you don't need a whole lot to hold your phone up and no. make a video. Anyone can buy an YouTube. iPhone. Yeah. Now the difference is with social media, um, you're not targeting sellers in most cases right, right. If, if there's a couple ways to do social media one is building a personal brand you could be building a brand for your company i've seen both work mm -hmm. um i just don't see a lot of people being really successful building let's say like an instagram following trying to target sellers because sellers aren't going on instagram to find no. you um so the the social media is well there's some aspects of like facebook retargeting i'm a big fan of if you're if you're getting people to come to your website well facebook retargeting ads most sellers are in their 40s and up that's what i've found mm -hmm. and where do these people hang out facebook. facebook that's where they're at that's the social media platform yes. that they're Young on people say so, facebook's for old people yeah facebook's for old people so you know if if you're driving traffic to a website in some way or another which you likely are if you've got any of these other marketing channels. And mm -hmm. I think Facebook retargeting ads is kind of low hanging fruit. It's fairly asymmetric in a way. But I would you kind of are put that Facebook retargeting back into the PPC category. Sure. Agreed. So I would say for social media, what do you get? You get attention. That's for sure. Yeah. Right. Doesn't you get, does it get you a lot of time? No, I wouldn't say it gets you a lot of time, but it gets you a lot of influence and impact way That's more huge. than you should. Like I've said this huge. before. I get way too much respect and authority for for what I do. I'm not that special. I just make more content. Um, yeah. And then they all bring in money, energy. So does it bring you energy? It doesn't really bring me a lot of energy, but I know a lot of people that does bring them a lot of energy, right? Like yeah, that's get, a personal thing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, being an introvert doesn't really help in this capacity. But I know a lot of people that are invigorated creating content. I mean, I can see like. They are enthusing everything through the camera. So, yeah. uh, well, then, be, be, care, be careful with dopamine with yeah. this because I'll tell you, I made a commitment to go on social media and I had never posted anything in my life, didn't do a ton on social media before June of last year. Uh -huh. And now I'm constantly on social media all day long, right? Not even when I'm making content, just consuming it because it's addictive. It's and I have no problem addictive. admitting that. It's just, it just is what it is. Yeah. Um, I also will say, I, I see, I don't want to make it sound like I'm some authority on social media. I have had a good bit of success in the last year doing it. And here's what I see <clears throat> some people possibly doing wrong is they're trying to, they don't want to spend the time or the energy on
social media. So they outsource it. They pay somebody else to write their captions. Mm -hmm. They pay somebody else to do all this sort of stuff for them. And social media is a personal game, in my opinion. You're trying to build connection mm -hmm. and you're trying to build influence and get attention and build your relationships and stuff. And that has to be authentic. Yeah. I, I just, I'm not a big fan. If you're going to go on social media and you're not going to spend the time and the energy to actually connect with people, be vulnerable, mm -hmm. share what's true. And, and in your words, then I just wouldn't recommend doing it. It's, it's not going to be worth it if you're going to try to kind of half-ass it, right. um, you got to full-ass this thing. You know what yeah, I mean? You, you got to come in and actually do the work and it is going to take some time. But mm. to your point, Steve, there's nothing that has benefited my career more than being willing to start sharing what I'm doing on social media. Absolutely nothing. In yeah. fact, all of my businesses are, are now built around that one marketing channel. It works so well. Yeah. So the last currency relationship and reputation massive reputation and relationship so it brings attention brings impact and influence and brings reputation and relationships energy depends on who you are yep. agreed and all again all these things like we're kind of wrapping up here and we talked about direct mail tv radio billboards cold calling texting you know, digital presence. And that includes a whole lot of different stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Whether that's SEO, pay-per-click, pay-per-lead, social media, and, and, you know, retargeting ads and all this stuff. And guess what? All of these things are perfectly valid ways to market and get deals. Um, it's all a function of playing your game, knowing your preferences and your strengths too. Part of I think you got to just stop fighting and asking for consensus. Like, tell me what I should or shouldn't do. And they say, well, you should go cold call. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, I don't, I don't like cold calling. I don't want to do that. Well, first of all, nobody likes cold calling. <laughs> Se second of all, some people are just, they're never going to be able to get over that hump. And it's just, it's like, well, what I'll tell you is just don't do it then. Go right. play, play your game, yeah. design it. So you're playing to your strengths. And, um, and I think that's the general message here is there's not a right or wrong marketing channel. Just there's not a right, wrong way to build a real estate business. You've yeah. just got to get clarity on the currencies that you have and the currencies that these different marketing channels will take or give you. All right. So one Sun Tzu, know thyself, right? Yeah. Right. If you know yourself, if you don't know yourself, you'll lose every battle. If you know yourself and not the enemy, you won't have to battle. If you know yourself and the enemy, you'll win every battle. Right? So first, know thyself. B, do a full audit. This is case. Compile. Collect. This part is not fun. But know what your currencies you have that you can trade and know what currencies you want. Depending on where you are, what season you're in in your career, it's going to be different. Your first year in business is going to be different than your fifth year in business. It's going to be different than your 10th year in business. You're going to have different currencies that you have and different currencies that you want, right? Mm -hmm. Most people, after five, seven, 10 years, all want their time back. First three years, who cares about my time? I'm all in, right? So it depends on where you are in your career. Uh, so yeah, I think step one, know thyself. And then uh, we do have uh, our Whale Club Certainty event coming up September 8th or 9th, it's a Friday, in Denver, yeah, yep. in Paul's neck of the woods. He rigged the game in his favor. Um, so, you know, if you guys are interested in that, definitely reach out to us. And if you're interested, if you guys want to build a reliable, profitable, fulfilling business, you know, we're doing everything we can here on this show to give you guys as much value in that regard to kind of give you some guidance. And if this message resonates, we highly recommend you pick up the book, Rigging the Game. I've been prescribing that book once or twice every single week. I, it's not by intent. It's just they ask me questions like, I can't answer all these questions. It depends. You got to know more about yeah. yourself. Step one, read Rigging the Game. And after that, if you want to know how Paul and I are applying this in our business, uh, we encourage you to schedule a, a diagnostic call with Paul. You got to go to realestatecertainty.com, schedule a call. And hopefully there, Paul can give you a little more clarity, a little more certainty. And, and, uh, and that's it. Anything you want to say before we wrap up? 
Well, just just to add that, yeah, if you have questions about any of these marketing channels, you can you can pop over to realestatecertainty.com and you just ask us a question. Steve and I will answer it. Um, you know, there's little forms and all sorts of stuff that you can find there. You can you can get with me and I'm happy to give you my two cents on it. But uh, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the event in September. And this was a great show, man. I, I do think that this was one that was a little bit more practical than what we do. So mm -hmm. if you guys are listening to this, you know, tell us what you like. You know, you can you can put in the comments on the YouTube channel. You can leave us reviews. It's really helpful for us to know like what you guys want to learn more of, what what perspective you'd like to hear from us. And um, so, yeah. All right. Perfect. Thank you all for watching. See you guys next week.